Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. John, Sony Michelle's three touchdowns on Monday night won me a league I had no business winning. Made my week. Sony Michelle. All like you needed more reason to love the Patriots from from a distance. A closet Patriot fan. Mm-hmm. I am John the Heart Makes the Head of Fool Hogue, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. And man, this was a, it was a strange week for a lot of people. It was a lot of people are really on edge after the week that we just had, where so many like waiver wire type of guys, plug and play type of guys led people to victories, and uh, your studs just completely let you down. Um, I, I ended up having a pretty good week because I draft crappy running backs and this was a week for crappy running backs. So, uh, I, I don't, I can't quite share in everybody's pain. And it sounds like, uh, sounds like you kind of were along the same lines. Sounds like you actually had a pretty good week as well. No, I did not. As a matter of fact, the, oh. the four <laughs> home weeks that I have, um, that was the only one I pulled out a win in and that was with 48 fantasy points scored. Um, so I had no business winning that matchup and Sony Michelle got me like 21 of them. So that's how bad that team was. And the other teams all laid eggs. So yeah, pretty <laughs> terrible week for me. Um, but Sony Michelle saved me a one week. So I, I can be grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty gross. 48. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. our uh, our vampire team uh, picked up its second victory of the year, so uh, um, that was pretty cool. We haven't talked nearly as much about the vampire listener league as we meant to, um, but and I don't think that either of us necessarily feel like really going into it today either. Um, but uh, that's just the type of week this is that week seven was when our our vampire team. Um, consisting of who are, I don't even remember who our running backs were um, in that league, but I think they, I mean, Darren Waller was, was he kind of single-handedly won it for us. Um, Dak Prescott helped us. uh, I think Gardner Minshew was okay. Um, But yeah, it was, it was that type of week where, a vampire. I, I bet you, if there are people playing vampire leagues, uh, 
vampires bit a lot of necks this week. But the big thing coming up is for the NFL, the trade deadline comes up a week from yesterday, actually. Uh, so Tuesday, the 29th is the NFL trade deadline. And, and it become became an actual event here in the last uh, couple years, essentially, um, where teams actually started making like major trades in the NFL before the deadline. Uh, before it wasn't really the case, but now all of a sudden for fantasy purposes, this is something that we kind of have to monitor. So we... James and I, we're going to uh, do a head versus heart, something we haven't done in a while. But um, I think that we did this last year right around the trade deadline as well. So um, we're going to talk about some players who could be on the move. Um, some of them are very likely, some of them not likely at all. But there's a chance that some of these players end up being moved and the fantasy implications. Um, and we're going to talk about from the perspective of the head of, uh, you know, common logic, I suppose, where these players most likely end up. But from a fantasy perspective, where does the heart want these guys to land? And we're going to go through a list of those. So before we get into that, though, just real quick, um, just want to tell you about the FF Mercenaries. A goal without a plan is just a wish. So stop wishing and start planning for your fantasy championship with the FF Mercenaries. The fantasy football mercenaries love it when a plan comes together. And this A-team of fantasy football minds is here to help you map out your path to fantasy glory. Whether you're looking for draft strategy during and throughout your draft, dynasty roster consultations, in-season support, alternate scoring navigation, or DFS expertise, the Mercs are here to help you develop and execute the strategy that will help you destroy your league. So sign up now for your one-on-one -on -one consultation with a strategic specialist for your unique and specific needs. Visit ffmercs.com and use the promo code SUPERFLEXSHOW for 10% off your first consultation. That's promo code SUPERFLEXSHOW at ffmercs.com, where winning is the only option. So, James, we're we're going to talk about a few players that we think could be on the move. And I think that we've kind of got this organized in a way where the players that we're going to start with are the more likely ones to get traded. And we're kind of going to work our way down uh, to a group that probably is not particularly likely to to get traded. So um, for the most part, we actually organized this in a way that we're going to start with a player that is probably the most likely on this list to get traded. And uh, actually let's start with Trent Williams. Um, I, just because I want to get your thoughts on him. Uh, we've got two players, I think it right here at the top who are pretty likely to get traded. So let's start with offensive tackle Trent Williams of, of Washington. It's pretty cool the way we got this going here, John, because we have, our heart and our head, and uh, and I I really like this. I I have the head uh, for Trent Williams. So my head says that Trent Williams makes the most sense in Cleveland. Um, and you can question whether or not my heart was there too, but 
the head just says, hey, look, that offensive line has been terrible. Cleveland seems to be calling every week inquiring about Trent Williams' availability. He is not available from what Washington continues to tell them. But I think Cleveland would probably be willing to pay the most to fix that offensive line. So I think my head says he ends up Cleveland Brown if he if he gets moved anywhere, John. That's, that's what I'm thinking. I think he can help Cleveland right away. That's a team that was expecting to compete. That division outside of Baltimore isn't great. And Cleveland has already beaten Baltimore once this season. I think if they could fix that offensive line, they could still make some noise this year. They have a tough schedule coming up. Their next three games are brutal. After that, it's a cakewalk for about seven weeks. So if they can get that offensive line right in time, they can make a late run at things, I think, John. Yeah, it sounds like John Dorsey has been, you know, pretty consistently going to Washington and saying, all right, are you ready to trade him yet? <laughs> Which I, I don't know how effective that strategy is. I know that you know, in, in my fantasy leagues, anytime I've got a, a player, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, highly sought after, um, the person who keeps asking me, all right, so are you ready to trade him yet? Or are you bad enough that you're willing to trade this player yet? I mean, that just makes me less inclined to trade him, especially at least with that person. Um, so I don't know if that works or not, but I, I mean, that's, that's what John Dorsey's been trying, and maybe it'll eventually shake loose. Uh, so we'll see. That that certainly makes the most sense. Uh, the other rumor being that Cleveland is going after Nate Solder is kind of a, a second option. Um, but the heart says that the Kansas City Chiefs need Trent Williams. Now I know that they they have. Uh, uh, what is their what is their left tackle's name? I mean, I, and he's been hurt, I believe. Fisher, Eric Fisher, is that right? Eric Fisher, yeah, they yeah. Have Fisher is one of their tackles, yeah. Yeah, who's who's been hurt? So I mean, it it's not the the issue isn't necessarily the left tackle position. It's just kind of across the offensive line at this point. Um, and so this is why you know it's it's not a real likely move to be made here. But I mean. We, we I, I just moved Pat Mahomes up to 1.01 in my Superflex Dynasty rankings available at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Um, and, you know, fi finally moved Aaron Rodgers down. Um, he actually dropped below Deshaun Watson as well for me. But Pat Mahomes is in a tier by himself. He's the 1.01, and it's kind of not close for me just based on what he can do when he's healthy and when he's got protection and the protection piece isn't even mandatory. I mean, he can move around and extend the play. Um, and, and that's part of his greatness, but I mean, it, so in the first game of the season, he suffers that ankle injury that's kind of slowed him down all season. And then um, in this, in uh, that Thursday night game, although it, you know, it wasn't a, a pass rush thing, but he got injured again, this time with a dislocated uh, kneecap. That's going to keep him out probably a, a week, one to three weeks, it looks like. And, you know, it, it's these, these injuries start piling up and start affecting his fantasy production. And I think that we would really like to see, <laughs> Pat Mahomes get a clean pocket for fantasy purposes. I, you know, just strengthen that line altogether. I know that it's not, you know, it's, it, it's not a, a, 
a very organic move to send Fisher to the right side and Trent Williams on the left side. That's that's not necessarily a move that you that you make. It, it's not as simple as people often think. Um, but I think that uh, just the to me, it's just such a romantic idea. The idea of Pat Mahomes actually having time to throw, not having to extend the play, not having a bunch of people falling at his feet, rolling onto his ankles, you know, just being able to stay healthy in a clean pocket and throw the ball down the field. I think that that 1.01 just he just separates from the rest of the of the the NFL universe even even further. So I would love to see Pat Mahomes get an upgrade on the offensive line. Trent Williams it isn't isn't exactly the, the you know what they need to fix that offensive line, but he is the, probably the best left tackle in the game and you put the best left tackle with the best quarterback in the game and it's to me that's that's the ideal move. That's a dream move just one that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's one that speaks to my heart too though. I think uh, I think you nailed this one because I it, and I could be wrong, but I believe Eric Fisher has played the right side too. I believe he has played right tackle. So yeah. I don't think it would be too much of a, you know, a, a, of a transition for him to to move to the right side for good. Um so when you have Trent Williams there left left tackle like you said to me one of the things that has impressed me the most about Mahomes this year is he hasn't relied on Kelsey as heavily as he did last year and Tyreek Hill was out and he was still putting up numbers whether it was Hardman or Robinson or I it doesn't matter Pringle uh Watkins it, it just he just elevated the play of those guys around him in my opinion I know a lot of people will say he's just got so much speed at the wide receiver position it didn't matter but I believe that he really just elevates the play of everybody around him and to me he's impressed me more this year than almost than he did last year so I feel like keeping him I, I think you know like you said the the 1.01 and not close for me is Patrick Mahomes too and I think he's widened that gap this year because of what he's shown, even though he has been injured and he hasn't put up the numbers he did last year, I'm I'm really impressed with what he has shown. So keeping him healthy should be key for the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely. My heart would love to see this move too, John. So I think you nailed that one. Nice. So here's another one who I, I think this is actually the most likely to get traded. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to get, you know, Trent Williams, get, get that one out there. That's the only, player that we're going to talk about who doesn't you know directly score fantasy points he it's kind of an indirect impact so um uh, just wanted to kind of get that one out of the way but Kenyon drake i think is highly likely to get dealt by the trade deadline and for me that the head says that he goes to houston i mean there's there's a little bit of heart to that in, as well where you know the houston backfield doesn't do a whole lot for me for fantasy purposes anyways as somebody who's always liked Carlos Hyde and his abilities and doesn't agree with Stompy that he's just a jag I mean I I think that he's one of the the most complete backs in the league um and but I mean you know it it's not an offense that we really care to see run the ball all that much anyways so we don't need it consolidated into any one player. And they haven't been doing that anyways. They're kind of running this committee approach already with 
uh, Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Let's let's just throw Kenyon Drake in there as well. Um, but I think it also makes sense because you know Duke Johnson isn't he he's not really a uh, a feature back type of guy. He's not a heavy workload type of guy. They knew that. That's why they traded for Carlos or signed Carlos Hyde after he had been cut by Kansas City. That's why they brought in Carlos Hyde after Lamar Miller went down with the injury. And, you know, and, but we also know that Carlos Hyde has had issues staying on the field. Um, He's had issues being effective and particularly behind that offensive line. It, this is a team, it, you know, it's a very winnable division. I think that it's an offense that can absolutely get them to the playoffs and, and make a little bit of a run. Um, I don't know that the defense is good enough to fully support anything beyond that, but I, I think that they're going to be in the conversation for a wild card at the end. And I think that they need a running game, a strong running game uh, to, you know, to reinforce what they've got with Deshaun Watson and the rest of the the passing game. And so it makes sense to me to see Kenyon Drake go to the Houston Texans, even though there's absolutely all it does is just kill everybody's fantasy production in Houston. It would actually unlock uh, a little bit more production in in Miami, particularly for Mark Walton. And uh, we could get a chance to see what they've got with him. Yeah, this this makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, we've seen Houston make a couple deals already, um, you know, earlier in the season. It, it seems like I don't think Kenyon Drake is going to cost much. <clears throat> His price tag has got to be pretty low. So if you're Houston, it's, it's a, you know, it would be a, a, a low, uh, a low investment that you would have to make in Kenyon Drake to bring him in. Neither Duke Johnson nor Carlos Hyde has really run away with the starting job there. They brought in both those guys and they complement each other. Okay. But I, I just don't know if you have enough. And then, you know, these, these Will Fuller, you know, is out with an injury now. Kiki Kuti has not been able to stay healthy, you know, so far in his NFL career. So we'll kind of see, you know, I mean, if the receivers, if the injuries to the receivers kind of mount, um, Kenny stills being there helps, but uh, you may need to rely on the running game a little bit more and bringing in someone like Drake makes sense. So I think, I think that makes sense, John. Uh, my heart tells me that I, I would like to see Kenyon Drake end up in Washington Look, Adrian Peterson uh, suffered an injury, and it looks like he's going to miss some time. Chris Thompson has missed some time. Washington isn't very good, but it sounds like Bill Callahan is going to make a concerned effort to run the ball. Um, he has the first two games last week, obviously, against San Francisco in a monsoon. Not a whole lot worked out there offensively for them, but neither did it for San Francisco. It was 9 to nothing uh, was the final in that one. So, obviously, that was tough sledding. But, you know, I, it does seem like the rushing attempts are going up with Callahan there. I think he wants to continue running the ball, but if Adrian Peterson is hurt, if Chris Thompson's going to get banged up, you know, you need a guy that you can you can count on. And I think Kenny Drake's been that, you know, throughout his NFL career. He's been there. You know, he maybe he doesn't he doesn't flash. He's he's almost he reminds me a little bit of a younger Lamar Miller. He's not a guy who's going to to shine or to uh to sparkle or or you break off these big runs. But at the end of the year, you look at his stale and you go, Yeah, it was there, it was okay. Like, you know, and I, I think Kenyon Drake can be that. And in Washington, that's enough at this point. So I'd like to see him go there. I just feel like the rest of his season would be fantasy worthy. It would give him a chance to to maybe uh, showcase what he can do for other teams next year. Maybe a 
team that's looking for a, a you know a committee or, or a backup type running back that uh, that would be impressed with Drake. So I, my heart says Washington, um, just because I feel like there may be an opening and some opportunity there for him. I like that one for sure. It's it feels like that could be more of a long term proposition as well. I mean, this so you kind of did the same thing as me. Like the head and the heart both say get Kenyon Drake out of Miami and throw him on a roster that's not really fantasy relevant anyways. I cuz he's he's not the type of guy who's going to just consolidate that backfield. Um so, you know, it it, it kind of makes sense for, you know, for him and Adrian Peterson kind of sharing that workload. Drake can even be your your primary back. And then when Darius Geis gets back, then, you know, now you've got the backup to him. Because um, I, I don't know that Kenyon Drake is going to find a, a situation where he's going to be your lead back. I, I don't think that that exists at this point in the NFL. You know, like if, if he's not good enough to just absolutely claim and and own that job in Miami, I don't know that there's a place for him. So kind of best case scenario would be a place like Washington where, you know, he with Darius Geis on IR, you know, you, Kenyon Drake can kind of be your lead back. Um, that's, that's about as good as it gets for his value is, you know, kind of a short term role like that. Um, and then, and then, you know, he ends up being kind of a high end hand handcuff when you do have Darius Geis. So I like that one a lot. Uh, how about uh, how about OJ Howard? Um, that one, I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds like there have been a lot of inquiries. The, the Patriots, for instance, have asked about OJ Howard. At least that's the rumor. And um, it it sounds like the Buccaneers have been shooting them down so far. But I'm I'm not totally sure that this is that this is a move that I I can't imagine that OJ Howard is untouchable at this point. Um, So where does the head say OJ Howard would land if, if he were to get traded? Yeah. I don't always think that these trade rumors make a lot of sense, John. Um, Sometimes I'll hear them and think, man, you know, I, I, I don't see why, you know, team, this team would do that or, you know, the other team would do that. This one to me makes sense. I think my head says New England's a good fit. Look, New England needs a tight end. Ben Watson uh, was cut after being suspended for four games. He was cut. They brought him back. He made a season debut for New England on Monday night. He drew five targets. The first target bounced off his face mask, went incomplete. He ended up with three receptions for 18 yards. They need a receiving tight end. There's no doubt about it. This offense is better when they have that. Um, Someone that can stretch the seam. Now I know their offense has been fine, but it's played really off of their defense. They have a tougher schedule coming up. I think they know that they need a tight end. Look, Bill Belichick, he and Nick Saban are real good friends. He knows OJ Howard. I'm I'm positive that he knows the strengths and weaknesses and the value of OJ Howard. I'm not so sure that it's ever going to be lower than what it is right now in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay signed Cameron Bray to a four-year deal last year. So they still have a tight end that they're going to be paying um, that they can use that that has shown that he can play at a high caliber too. It just makes too much sense not to move O.J. Howard, and New England should be the first one knocking at the doorstep. Hey, look, how many more times are you going to have a chance to win a championship? Brady's over 40. Bill Belichick's aging. I mean, 
you got to think the window's closing sooner rather than later, right? So a move for O.J. Howard to me makes just too much sense for New England not to do. So in the head, I say I say New England makes sense. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I so New England made really the the first the well maybe the second trade i guess of the um uh, of this trade season for the nfl um headed into the deadline as they they trade for muhammad sanu and you know it, they they are struggling a little bit to keep their wide receivers healthy the i just i don't know that they're ever going to you know, necessarily target the tight end position the way they did when they had Rob Gronkowski. You know, that feels like just such a different thing. So I, well, I mean, I totally agree. The head says the Patriots would absolutely trade for a tight end. Um, I, I don't, I just don't know that they're going to make him more fantasy relevant. So while I agree with you that that's the most likely scenario, that's the most likely landing spot. That's also the one that I would probably hate the most. Um, including staying in Tampa Bay. I think that there's, you know, it, it's a little bit more likely that he finds a role in Tampa Bay than in New England, as crazy as that sounds. So uh, the heart, though, says that he goes to Dallas, where, I mean, I think the Cowboys had O.J. Howard on their radar um, in that, uh, in the in the draft in uh, 2017. I think that he was, I, you know, I, I think that they were, they were definitely looking at him at the time. It, it just, it didn't make a ton of sense yet, but now you're kind of to a point where, you know, you've got Michael Gallup on the outside, you've got um, Amari Cooper on, on kind of an inside outside type of guy. And now you even have Randall Cobb out of the slot and you know, the, it's, it's an offense that, you know, the, that it actually kind of makes sense to address that tight end position finally. And I think that they could really just consolidate what they've got between Jason Witten and Blake Jarwin into just one guy. OJ Howard just is, is such a great fit for that offense. You know, from a, from a blocking perspective, you put him next to that, you know, you include him in that, that great pat or a uh, run blocking offensive line and then you know you also get the receiving threat to add to that that dynamic offense now it's just a much better fit for oj howard um i i don't i don't know that this is necessarily going to happen there the cowboys are really kind of running into some um some salary cap issues as they try and pay all these stars and you know it, it could make oj howard a little bit of a rental um, but, and, and I don't think that they would necessarily do that without a long-term fit, but, uh, that's, it, it's one that I would love to see. I would love to see OJ Howard land on the Dallas Cowboys and we can, we can finally start him with confidence and start a Dallas Cowboys tight end with confidence. Yeah, man. Can you imagine Dak's value? I mean, when he's got Gallup and Cooper and OJ Howard, you know, in that offense, 
And, you know, they, they have the presence of Zeke, so they can't just, you know, sit back and cut. I mean, goodness, that would, <laughs> that offense would have no excuses uh, not to, not to light up the scoreboard on a weekly basis. Um, that, that would be really fun. So I, I would like to see that too. Uh, like you said, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense in the head, but boy, when you, when you, uh, when you look inward to the heart, man, that, that, Really, um, you started speaking to me. You were singing a love song to me a little bit there, <laughs> but you were addressing that because that uh, that that was fun. That that would be, I would love to see that happen, John. So yeah, that's that's that was really good. I I enjoy that. So OJ Howard to Dallas. Let's make it happen, guys. Let's get it trending on Twitter. Let's do whatever we got to do to make it happen. Uh, OJ Howard to Dallas. That's, that's what we need. This, yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so AJ Green, I think there's a chance that he gets traded. Uh, although the head says that he stays in Cincinnati, it doesn't make a ton of sense to keep him. But um, I, I, I think that they probably. I, I might actually look real quick at, it, at his uh, contract situation. I think that that's the big question here. But I mean, the part of the problem here is so AJ Green coming back from that ankle injury suffered or the uh, foot injury whichever it was um suffered back in at the very beginning of the the preseason back in training camp and um you know we we haven't seen him since and i wonder how much of this is kind of a a low-key holdout you know the the Bengals are zero and seven you know, I don't if if I'm AJ Green, I don't know, you know, necessarily why I would I would rush to come back, um, even if I'm fully healthy to a team that, you know, it is going absolutely nowhere. It looks like he's an undra- uh, in unrestricted free agent after this 2019 season. So, you know, the Bengals actually it would make a lot of sense for them to just trade him now and get something in return because you're probably not bringing him back for 2020. You know, you've got, you, you already have, uh, you know, you had the breakout in uh, 2018 of Tyler Boyd. We started to see a little bit of a breakout from John Ross here in 2019. Now we're seeing Auden Tate, you and I high five (laughs) over that one (laughs) virtually (laughs) and somewhere. Uh, Travis, the beard is shaking his head, (laughs) but, but, but I mean, at this point, it looks like they've got everything that they need on offense, um, uh, you know, beyond a quarterback, like (laughs) a a competent quarterback would be nice. But I, I mean, I think that what you've got with Auden Tate, John Ross and Tyler Boyd has all the makings for a good young wide receiver core, um, you know, just as soon as you get a quarterback, but that's probably not going to happen this year. You know, you're probably stuck with Andy Dalton. Maybe you see Ryan Finley at some point, and maybe he actually, you know, impresses you enough. But I mean, these guys, they're headed for a top two pick. That's going to be a quarterback. I, I don't know, like, what could Ryan Finley possibly do to push you off of the idea of drafting, you know, a Tua or, or, uh, you know, whoever your number two quarterback is, um, which I'm actually curious who, who you would put number two at this point. I think it's been Justin Herbert for me all along, but um, you might have different ideas at this point. 
Yeah, I, I really would have to. I, I'm going to reserve that because I'm going to wait until after the season and I get to watch some of the tape. But um, there's there's a few guys who have really improved their stock. Jalen Hurts has been one of them for Oklahoma. I mean, he really has shown well. So oh, that'd um, be interesting. Yeah, yeah, really, really a, a dynamic type player. That uh, yeah, it, it would be kind of funny to see him be the second quarterback taken after Tua. But um, <laughs> But but moving on with AJ Green, man, I I mean this this one's tough, isn't it? Because for some reason I believe Cincinnati when they say they are not interested in dealing him, and I think the reason why I believe them is because that franchise is run so poorly. <laughs> yeah, I believe I believe that they would they would go They're ahead and stubborn. botch this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would botch this. They would just AJ Green's been a Bengal. He's going to be a Bengal. And then he's going to walk this year, and they're going to go, well, it wasn't our fault. We wanted him to be a Bengal. You know, so, you know, fan base can blame him. He walked away in free agency. Um, but I, man, in the heart, I tell you, I love watching AJ Green when he's healthy, John. I do. I think he's one of, one of my favorite receivers to watch. He's really good at getting open. He runs good routes. Um, he's got strong hands. He just got, you know, he, he has, a, he can do a little bit of everything. And, uh, I would love to see him go to Philadelphia, which, I mean, that team is struggling to, to create separation. Um, Nelson Aguilar is, is, I mean, that, that guy can't even bother to put his hands out to, to attempt to make a catch. I mean, it's, it is brutal. Watching the receivers there has been brutal. It was terrible against Dallas. I would love to see AJ Green come in there and say, all right, boys, this is what we're doing. Even if it's just a one-year rental, even if it's just for the Eagles to, to, to make a push this year for the playoffs, see if they can do it with AJ Green, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, and, and then, you know, we can, we can, you know, moving forward next year, maybe JJ Arcega Whitesides, that guy who can make that step forward and, you know, you have him with Jeffrey and maybe that, you know, but this year it just doesn't seem like that's in the cards yet. Um, he might be developing a little slowly or maybe he's just, you know, still learning the playbook, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it takes a while for a lot of these guys, but uh, I would love to see AJ Green go to Philadelphia and just put on a clinic and have that, uh, that Eagles Dallas rivalry be good again, because that division is slowly going downhill. Um, I, I, it, it's, it's tough to watch those division games, uh, in that division right now with the giants, Washington and the Eagles all kind of faltering and Dallas just kind of, I mean, they didn't look great either until this Eagles game. So, uh, this last week. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, to me, it's interesting to see what's going to happen with AJ Green, but I would love to see him in Philadelphia. I'd love to see him running some routes. I think he would get a lot of targets because of, uh, uh, you know, just the kind of route runner he is, the kind of player he is. I think he would demand a, a lot of targets. So I would love to see AJ Green fantasy wise uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, it feels like the Eagles absolutely need to be in the wide receiver market here. And we've got a few, you know, a few guys to talk about. And actually, we're just. We'll just transition straight into the next one um, because the head says that Marvin Jones gets dealt and ends up with the Eagles to me. I think he's he's more likely than uh, than A.J. Green and, and for several reasons. But, you know, first, just to kind of for a little bit of context. So the Detroit Lions traded away you know, Quandre Diggs, one of their, you know, their their top safety, one of their top defensive players and honestly, one of the better safeties in all of football and traded him to Seattle and uh, you know right after carry on Johnson goes on IR which you know that doesn't feel necessarily like you know the type of injury that just destroys your season but the the combination of that you know them being two three and one um the you know and and the 
the fact that they're in such a tough division, they're in last place in a very, very good division where, you know, I, I, it's going to be between Minnesota and green Bay for the, for the division championship. And I think the other one probably gets in as a wild card. And we know that Chicago's gotten, uh, still has a good enough defense uh, to get into the playoffs as a wild card. I, the question is going to be, can Mitchell Trubisky actually support that? Um, or, you know, does Chicago make another move to um, for a quarterback who, who can get them there? But anyways, I mean, Detroit ends up as kind of the odd team out in that division. And it seems like they've kind of accepted that. That, you know, trading away Quandre Diggs, it was a little bit of a surprise. It feels like a fire sale type of move, kind of an acknowledgement that this is not going to be a, a competitive season for them. And so, the you know, it kind of becomes a, from there you start looking around the rest of the roster and you say, if you're if you're going into fire sale mode, who are some other guys that you would potentially move on from? I, to you know, Marvin Jones has one more year on his contract after this year. He only has a dead cap of uh, 2.6 million, 2.7 million. Sorry. Um, so in you know, uh, uh, but with a cap hit of over nine million, so you know you could get a lot of that money back by by trading him, and that feels like one of the more likely guys to go, especially coming off that three touchdown performance. Uh, and I think that he's a, he's a good fit for Philadelphia just in that, you know, they've, they've been trying to get that deep threat from Deshaun Jackson and he just cannot get healthy, cannot get on the field. And I think that Marvin Jones gives them that, um, you know, maybe even better than AJ Green, where AJ Green kind of gives you the same thing as Alshon Jeffrey, a little bit more of a possession type of guy. It, you know, and then you've got, of course, Ertz and uh, Goddard and Aguilar working kind of the 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 shorter and and mid range stuff. So, kind of what they're missing here is that deep threat that Deshaun Jackson was supposed to be, and that they just haven't been able to to find with him you know, with his injury problems. So I think Marvin Jones can make a ton of sense for the Philadelphia Eagles just based on that. Yeah, I think we both see a need there for Philadelphia and in the wide receiver market like you you stated clearly at the beginning there. I think stylistically this makes sense. Marvin Jones going there, like you stated, he is a guy who could be a deep threat. He's a guy who can play on the outside. You can you can even move him to the inside if need be. But with Aguilar there, you you probably have that covered. Um, you're working the middle of the field very well with those two tight end sets. And it, it's just, I, you're right. Miles Sanders is the guy who right now has the most explosive plays on that team. They are really missing Deshaun Jackson. And I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know if he's coming back at this point. I mean, he's missed a lot of time. Uh, so you need somebody to kind of replace that. I think anybody who can get open in the intermediate to deep part of the field is going to be valuable there. So um, I, I think that's a, an excellent call by you, John. I'm When I approached this, I had the heart. And in my heart, I have seen Russell Wilson do things with that team with a supporting cast that's just – 
mediocre at best, average at best, maybe. Um, Tyler Lockett, I love. I, I like him a lot this year. He is, he's, you know, I've really come around this year to him, especially. Um, he's shown me that he can do an awful lot on the on the field. I think, I think he's a legit wide receiver one in the in the league. However, the Will Disley injury hurts, and DK Metcalf. While I like him. I, I don't know that it's fair to ask him to be the wide receiver too on a team that uh, with things that are expected um, out of this Seattle team as they are, uh, he, he's going to be put under the spotlight and he's going to be asked to make a lot of plays that I don't know that it's fair to ask him to make um, this soon into his NFL career. Thus Marvin Jones, man, could you imagine Tyler Lockett with Marvin Jones and DK Metcalf on the field at the same time as for the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson? What's that? That is a ton of speed. Yeah, with all that speed. And oh, guess what? You've got the electric playmaker in the backfield, John, Chris Carson. <laughs> yes, so you sir. Can't, you, so you know you got you to gotta pay attention to the run game. Man, I would absolutely love to see what Russell Wilson could do with all these weapons. <clears throat> this offense would be really fun to watch. It already is, but it would be even more fun to watch if they added a threat like that. Um, in my heart, I want Marvin Jones in Seattle. However, in my head, I don't think that this is something that's going to happen. Seattle tends to to like to build on the defensive side of the ball, likes to win running the ball um, and, you know, working off of play action. This year they've opened it up a little bit, but they still rely heavily on Chris Carson and the running game um, and that defense as well, especially at home. So I don't think this is something that would happen, but man, in my heart, I would love to see it, John. Yeah, no, I, I like that one too. Um, yeah, it... <laughs> It, it it's it's man it's fairly low cost really um you know for a another deep threat and stretches the field for you know you can you can kind of keep tyler lockett working out of the slot um instead of you know moving around the formation the way he kind of has been um yeah th- it, it makes a ton of sense it, it could almost be a head move too other than you know just the fact that first of all I think the Eagles are going to be a little bit more aggressive going after a wide receiver uh, for one thing. Uh, for another thing, I don't, I, like you said, I, it feels like the Seattle is a little bit more focused on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they feel like they've got all the offense that they need to make a run. And, and I think they're right, by the way. I mean, when you've got Russell Wilson playing the way he's playing, you know, you, it, you're kind of good with, um, you know, Lockett and DK Metcalf. Although we're we're going to talk about another guy here in just a just a few minutes, um, who I think does make a ton of sense for Seattle on the offensive side. But like you said, beyond that, I think that they're a little bit more focused on the defensive side. So, and I think that's where a lot of their resources are going to go. But man, that would be a fun one. Um, th- this being a quarterback centric podcast, uh, tell us about. Let's get into our first quarterback and uh, have you tell us about him. Yeah, let's, let's go into Josh Rosen and, you know, Miami traded for him, gave, gave him a chance. I mean, he started a few games, but really come on. That Miami team is, is terrible. Um, the offensive line is bad. The receivers dropped a lot of passes. The running game wasn't good. I mean, there's the defense has been terrible. Um, he's been playing from behind all the time. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in in a revenge game against Buffalo, a team that you know he had to want to beat. Played very well. Um, and I think we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is capable of playing like that. Looks like he's going to be the starter. Um, and that just just tells you pretty much, hey, look, Miami's not 
they're not sold on Rosen. If they were, they'd let him play this out regardless of, of, you know, kind of the, uh, the outcomes, you know, the scores, as long as he is getting better, as long as you're focused on making him better and improving his skill set moving forward, then, you know, that tells you that you're sold on a, on a quarterback. If you're pulling him, you know, benching him uh, for an aging veteran, then, you know, it kind of, kind of tells us what's going on. So Josh Rosen, in my opinion, should, should be dealt. And uh, Miami is not above dealing anybody. In my opinion, at this point, they're going to deal anyone and everyone they can for picks. And if I am the Chicago bears, I am trading for any quarterback that I think is better than Mitchell Trubisky, which at this point, John, and I hate to say this because I was very high on Mitchell Trubisky, especially coming into this season. At this point, though, I don't know that there's not a lot of quarterbacks that have started games this year that are worse than Mitchell Trubisky, and that's how bad he has played. He has been awful. That defense has been on the field over 30 minutes a game. Um, It's, uh, you know, I mean, the the time of possession has been over, I'm sorry, close to 38 minutes a game uh, for that defense. The offense just isn't sustaining drives. They can't run the ball. Um, They cannot rely on Mitchell Trubisky. He's just not accurate. He's not good. Unless he's throwing to Allen Robinson, anybody else, um, the ball is just not there for. So it, it, it doesn't look good. And if I'm Chicago, I'm trying to salvage my season. Josh Rosen can do that, I think. Um, he's he's smart enough to do this. He's smart enough to pick up this system. Um, and I think this could be not only a short-term thing, but a long-term play too. Uh, you know, you gave up a lot to move up for Mitchell Trubisky. You drafted Mitchell Trubisky before Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in the same draft. Uh, that, that tells you, I mean... You, you put a lot of eggs in this basket if you're the Chicago Bears, but at this point in time, this defense is good enough and this team is good enough to win games. They should be winning games, and they're not, and it's because of their quarterback and it's because of their running game. you got to fix one of the two. You already drafted David Montgomery. you got to kind of kind of go with that, um, and you gotta, you got to run the ball. I mean, they're, they're passing a, a, an awful lot. Mitchell Trubisky last week dropped back almost 50 times uh, and – I, th- I believe there were six rushing plays. So, I mean, that's how bad the uh, the play calling has been. Um, Josh Rosen, I think, can help fix some of that. I don't know he fixes all of it, but he can fix some of it. He's a little bit more accurate, I think, with this offensive line, with this supporting cast, and with this coaching staff. He could be a long-term answer for the Chicago Bears, and he probably isn't going to cost you very much right now. Uh, if I'm the Bears, I'm definitely definitely thinking about uh, about making a move for Josh Rosen. That got a little bit brutal. <laughs> that got a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a, a hint of anger in your voice towards Mitchell Trubisky. And yeah, man, it, I take it personal with, <laughs> with him. Okay. <laughs> anytime I kind of do that too. Like anytime a player starts to like, if they're not playing well, I do. I, I start to take it a little bit personally. Um, it, it starts to feel like, like, why are you doing this to me, Mitchell Trubisky? I was, I, yeah. was, I supported you. I, I yeah. propped you up. I told people to draft you. I told people that this was going to be the LA Rams light offense. And you know, that that you know, that you were going to, to take this massive step and, and, you know, in a, in a great quarterback class, you were going to be right there in the conversation and you're, you're, making me look like an idiot in front of my friend. <laughs> you, you don't even want to get me started on Matt Nagy because that, <laughs> that'll be, that'll be even worse, but yeah, oh, that's, yeah. that's it. That's me too, man. I'm I, I, yeah. Sometimes I take it personal with Mitchell Trubisky, man. I take it personal this time. So yeah, we're, we're writing line on that. 
Yeah, I, I will say I'm a little bit distracted when it comes to Chicago because I'm way more offended by the lack of usage of David Montgomery than the lack of mm-hmm. ability of Mitchell Trubisky. I, I I wasn't super high on Mitchell Trubisky coming out somewhat. Um, I felt like he landed in a good situation. Um, but David Montgomery, I, I you know, at one point I had I had myself convinced that David Montgomery in non-superflex leagues was a 1.01 in this draft class. And I mean, it's just it, in, in the leagues where I actually drafted David Montgomery with a, with a high rookie pick, I, those, I mean, those teams suck and I'm extremely frustrated about that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, this is what head and heart is all about because yeah, I mean that, that, you know, this is something that I've that I've talked a lot about. This is and I've talked about Josh Rosen in particular about this. If, if for an NFL franchise, I don't know why you wouldn't keep taking shots at quarterback until you find the right guy. And in this case, you know, probably what's what's really going to get in their way of making a move to replace Mitchell Trubisky is the fact that they spent, you know, an early first and not only did they spend that early first round pick? They moved up to the the second overall pick, I believe, to get Trubisky. And yeah, from three to two. Yeah, and and they gave up a lot to to make that move. And I I think that that's going to hold them back. And we talk about it for fantasy purposes that you 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 have to you have to have a little bit of amnesia when it comes to your roster construction. It's the same thing in the NFL forget about what you paid for him. That part is irrelevant at this point. All that matters is, can he help you win? And if the question is either no, or, you know, we're undecided at this point, then you keep trying you. And in this case, you could probably get Josh Rosen. I mean, if he was worth a second round pick going into the season, you know, during the NFL draft, he probably could be had now for a third round pick. And if he ends up being the guy, you know, if he's if he does replace Mitchell Trubisky and he does improve this offense and turn you back into a contender, you've got one of the best defenses in the league. You've got all the offensive weapons in the world. You just need a quarterback. If Josh Rosen ends up being that guy, then it does not matter what you spent on Mitchell Trubisky. The net gain is a franchise quarterback. You spent, you know, the the draft capital it took to get Mitchell Trubisky plus a third round pick, and you ended up with Josh Rosen with Mitchell Trubisky as your backup. That's that's a that's still a win. That's still a good price to pay for a starting NFL quarterback. So the head says, yeah, you keep going after quarterbacks until you find that franchise guy. The problem is NFL teams don't see it that way. They don't act that way. That's why Josh Rosen never even got a chance to compete with Kyler Murray, which even in retrospect, to me, that's a mistake. Josh Rosen should have been an Arizona Cardinal. He should have competed for that starting job with Kyler Murray. He probably would have lost, and they would have had a very good backup in Josh Rosen, and maybe they'd be looking to trade him right now. But the NFL teams just don't operate that way. So, Anyways, after that, all that ranting, the heart says here 
that in in honestly this is this is not just my heart but this is also the heart of you know NFL ex- it, this is kind of the head of NFL executives this is this is the way that NFL fr- front offices actually operate the heart says that he goes to the LA Chargers where I, first of all they're they're kind of struggling on offense right now i mean they've run into some tough defenses they've got more of them on the schedule yet to come but the the offense could could really use a boost i'm not saying that i that you know josh rosen comes in and supplants philip rivers it's it's not the same situation um but you know i i think that this is an offense that's probably gonna we're gonna start to see it be rebuilt you know melvin gordon's on his way out we're even going to talk about him here in this episode as as a possible trade candidate uh you know you at some point you've got to get mike williams has got to get healthy but i think they probably need some more help um you know first of all they're likely drafting a running back at some point uh they're probably they they could use a little bit of help along the offensive line they could use a little bit more help in the receiving game um i i don't know that mike williams is going to be the answer to you know that that you originally thought that he was going to be and you don't want to go into the nfl draft with all those holes plus needing you know your the your future franchise quarterback so i think you could make a trade here get josh rosen and just to just to have that you know, that backup to Phillip Rivers, um, kind of grooming him to, you know, to potentially take over as a starting quarterback here at some point. And, and to me, it, it, you know, that's a move that they need to make anyways. They need to find that young quarterback. You know, they probably won't do it just because Josh Rosen only is only going to have, you know, he's got basically two and a half more years on his contract where they could get a, a rookie on a four year contract. Um, so, you know, with that fifth year option still, so, so, you know, it's possible that, that they don't necessarily see it as a, as a need right now, but I think it gives you a lot more flexibility going into the NFL draft. If you address that quarterback now, um, and, you know, with Josh Rosen potentially being available. Yeah, I like that. I, I mean, I, I was one of those that uh, in the offseason, I really thought the Chargers uh, were a match with Will Greer. I thought Will Greer would have fit perfect on that roster. He's a guy who could have learned behind Phillip Rivers. He needed a year or two, and I, I felt like that was a match um, that should have happened and didn't. So, uh, yeah, at this point, I mean, they're still going to be in the market for a quarterback, right, whether it's a, a young, a young uh, veteran which Josh Rosen kind of fits that, you know, in his second year now. He'd be at the end of his second year next year. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, he'd be a younger guy who could uh, who could still fill that role of future signal caller or uh, whether they go the draft route. But I do think that they need to address that position sooner rather than later. Um, and I think this is the year to do it, although I thought last year was too. So kind of shows how much I know on it. But, no, I do like the the marriage here. I think this makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and yeah, in, in, I'd, I'd like to see it too. I, I really – I, I like Josh Rosen. I really want to see him put in a position to succeed. I think this would be a nice spot for him to sit there and learn and let the game slow down a little bit and learn a little bit more of what he's been doing, you know, um, 
from uh, from a coaching staff that's going to show some patience and answer questions for him. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see this happen as well. So, yeah, next up we'll talk about Larry Fitzgerald. And, I mean, the head says that he just stays with Arizona. Um, you know, it, he he certainly helps. You've got a ton of young wide receivers there. Um, and, you know, I, I think that he kind of helps with the development of all those guys, not to mention, uh, you know, Kyler Murray. Um, so it, it still makes sense to hang on to to Larry Fitzgerald and, and just let him finish his career as an Arizona Cardinal. Uh, but I think that we still need to talk about him just because, you know, the Cardinals not really going anywhere here in, in 2019. I mean, maybe they make a little bit of a run and sneak in as the last wild card, but they're in a very tough division. I I don't, you know, I, I, I think that besides a division winner, there's a good chance that both wild cards come out of the, the NFC West. And I, I don't, I don't see a, a path for, Arizona to overcome any of the three teams ahead of them, San Francisco, the LA Rams or the Seattle Seahawks. I, I, I don't, I mean, they're just nowhere near those three teams as far as a complete being a complete roster with, you know, the type of experience that it takes to make that type of run. So I, this is not a playoff team and therefore you know larry fitzgerald is a little bit of a luxury for them and they could definitely move him to a wide receiver needy playoff team i don't think they're going to do it but i i think that there are still some landing spots that um they could unlock his his you know even more fantasy potential from him even more fantasy productivity and so even though the head says he stays in Arizona. What what does the heart say here? Well, I look the, the heart almost says what the head says because I, I mean, seeing him stay in Arizona, you know, and finish his career as a Cardinal is is would be awesome. You know, would be good for for Fitz and would be good for that fan base. And I think a lot of people would like to see it. And I I don't know that that Warrior Fitzgerald wants to play for another for another team, but I think if he's dealt mid season, he'll at least finish the season. Um, but no, I think I think you're right as far as the head goes. I I would have said the same thing. I think Arizona makes sense. However, when you you just look at it on paper, the reason why we have to question it is, look, the Arizona Cardinals drafted three wide receivers. They drafted um, uh, uh, three guys. Keyshawn Johnson was one of them, um, and he's kind of made a, a decent impact on that team. Um, but then you had uh, Andy Isabella as well, and Kelvin Harmon. All those guys were uh, were drafted. Uh, I'm sorry, Hakeem Butler rather was uh, all those guys were drafted there. <clears throat> and you also have Christian Kirk. So you, you have to wonder what is Larry Fitzgerald's role moving forward? I mean, when Butler comes back next year, you got <clears throat> all these receivers. You kind of want to see what you've gotten them. And then you have Christian Kirk. So I, I don't know that Fitzgerald really fits the long-term you know, plans of this team. And I don't know that he wants to come back and sit on the bench. I don't think he should ever be. He should be asked to do that. So, but at the same time, if you're Arizona, you want to know what you got, you know, with these draft picks. So I think the time's coming sooner rather than later where they're going to have to kind of figure this out. So um, in my heart, where I would love to see Larry Fitzgerald go is to the New England Patriots. And I know, I know everyone listening right now is is making faces and they're they're turning off their, don't turn it <laughs> off yet. Just listen to me, all right? I or want they're, Larry or Fitz they're shouting Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now look, this is in my heart, okay? My heart says, 
I want Larry Fitzgerald to retire a champion. I want him to win a ring, and there's no better place for him to go to win a ring than to go to New England. Can we agree on that? Right now, New England's got to be the front runners for the Super Bowl, right? I mean, their defense is historically good. They have Tom Brady. The offense has been fine. I mean, they, they've looked really, really good. So if, if Larry Fitzgerald, if you are a fan of Larry Fitzgerald and you want to see him end with a Super Bowl ring, New England's the place to go. Now, I know they just traded for Muhammad Sanu. I get that. I don't think Larry Fitzgerald would cost nearly what Sanu did. I really don't. And Fitzgerald, you know, he's a good name. But he's at the end of his career. He's at the end of his rope. And I think Arizona has a plan to, to try to use some of these younger wide receivers. So if if New England made a power play for him, I still think they would find a way to use Larry Fitzgerald with Julian Edelman, with, I, I mean, whoever, Mohamed Sanu, all these receivers that they've had that are getting hurt, like Josh Gordon and 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 such. I mean, we, there, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that they kind of planned on using this year that aren't available. Nikhil Harry. Um, so, you know, hey, adding another wide receiver to that room is not going to hurt them any. Um, if they don't improve the tight end position, why not add another wide receiver? Load up. Because again, like I said earlier, I think this window is closing. So, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I would give it maybe a 1% chance of happening. But in my heart, I would like to see Larry Fitzgerald win a ring before he goes out. So I want to see him do it. I think New England's probably the team that does it this year as of right now. Yeah, I'm on board with that part for sure. I, I don't think that he's a fit in New England, but I love the angle where he he finally gets that ring. Um, I, I Another heart type of landing spot for him would be the Minnesota Vikings um, being, you know, he, he, uh, I believe he's from Minnesota. I know he went to school mm -hmm. at, at is, the yeah. university of Minnesota. So, um, you know, that kind of that homecoming. And I think that he still lands on a, on a contender. Uh, it's definitely not nearly as likely that he gets that ring as if he went to new England. But um, I think that it would be a lot more meaningful uh, to see him do it in, in Minnesota and maybe yeah, I mean, there you go too. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's another potential heart one, but um, yeah, let's uh, let you move on to our next guy here. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to go to, to tight end Tyler Eifert um, in Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati started out the season using Tyler Eifert pretty, pretty heavily and they've gone away from it since. Uh, Tyler Eifert's a guy who we've seen when he's healthy. He can be a, a, a very nice fantasy contributor at a position that um, lacks, uh, you know, consistent fantasy guys. So, you know, if Tyler Eifert's not putting up the numbers in Cincinnati, they're own seven and someone comes knocking for Tyler Eifert, why wouldn't you, for if you're Cincinnati, listen, um, you know, th this, this is a guy who I think could be very movable. Um, so my head says that he gets moved and I think – I think he's a good fit in Washington. And look, I know Washington's not contending to win anything this year. But look, I, I think Jordan Reed is at is at his end. I, I really do. I feel like these concussions are catching up with him. He's at the end of his career. Um, they don't really have another option. Jeremy Sprinkle has not looked the part. Um, he's shown flashes, but boy, his hands sometimes look like stones uh, when they throw him the ball. And they've, they've kind of avoided the tight end position because of it a lot of times. 
I think that they could use a filler, a guy who they say, hey, here's a good veteran. We can bring in. We can sign him to a one, two-year deal. And then, you know, we can address this moving forward. Washington has so many areas of need that they have to address. Tight end isn't one that they want to do in the draft. So if they trade for a tight end like Tyler Eifert, all of a sudden his fantasy stock probably rises. I mean, outside of Terry McLaurin, who else is getting targets over Tyler Eifert if he's in that offense? And this is a team that's behind a lot. They're passing the ball a lot. Um, even though Bill Callahan wants to run the ball, it's pretty difficult to do if you're down 28 points in the third quarter. So uh, I think Tyler Eifert could could be on the move. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to go to Washington, um, even though they're not a contender and not someone that would be buying a player for a playoff push. In the, the Yeah, that one, the, uh, this, is, this is kind of a tough one because – like the head and the heart can both say the same thing in, in both of these cases, you know, that it does make some sense for, for Washington to, you know, to, to upgrade that tight end position. And I, I think that it just kind of helps that entire offense, um, particularly when they make the move to Dwayne Haskins, it gives you, you know, a, a little bit of a safer option kind of in the middle of the field to go along with the field stretchers that you've got, primarily Terry McLaurin, but, you know, to a lesser extent, uh, Paul Richardson and eventually Kelvin Harmon. So it, it, it makes a, it makes a ton of sense. Um, it also, you know, just from a fantasy perspective, the heart says it would be great to see them, you know, give Dwayne Haskins and another option and, um, you know, kind of a safer option, kind of a safety valve and, and, give him a better chance to succeed early um that but both the head and the heart also say and, and i mean I'm, I'm taking the heart perspective here but i think the head says the same thing that the seattle seahawks would be a great fit for tyler eifert so he's he signed a one-year contract with the Bengals going into this season he's stayed relatively healthy um, and which was kind of the big concern, but now at this point, he doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Bengals anymore. It's, it's just not, it's a, again, and we talked about him earlier with AJ green, but it's a team that's going nowhere. It, it and I mean, his primary function is, is in the red zone where, I mean, we would, as fantasy players, we'd much rather see them you know, get Joe Mixon into the end zone, screw Tyler Eifert. And they also have, you know, they've still got CJ Uzoma. They've got rookie drew sample. Um, you know, they, they're, they're fine at the tight end position. They can afford to move on from Tyler Eifert. You're going to, he's going to walk after this season anyways. So, you know, take advantage of the fact that there's a little bit of market value here based on the fact that he is such a red zone threat and such a red zone target. Well, the team that's that's hurting in that, you know, as far as uh, in the red zone right now, the most is probably the Seattle Seahawks after losing Will Disley. And, you know, we we kind of saw it this past week against Baltimore where, you know, they they got in close and they ended up kicking a lot of field goals because they just don't have that that big red zone target that they used to have. Uh, before Will Disley went down with the injury. So I think Tyler Eifert just makes a ton of sense for Seattle. You know, it, it can be a one-year rental, and the reason that it's kind of a heart move for me in particular, it has very little to do with Tyler Eifert, doesn't even have that much to do with Russell Wilson. It's Will Disley, who 
going into this season was one of my absolute favorite deep sleep tight ends. And man, it, it was hitting big time. And then he suffers yet another catastrophic injury. And our, you know, Ethan Turner talked about it on our, on our uh, injury show last week, you know, talking about, uh, will you know the three major injuries that are so hard for NFL players to come back from and it's that ruptured patella the ruptured Achilles and the dislocated knee and so and will Disley in consecutive years has suffered two of those he had the the patella last year um and now the Achilles this year so like the the two of the three hardest injuries to come back from he's already dealt with them and it it really hurts my heart, you know, that to, to think that Will Disley might not be able to make it back from a second catastrophic injury. But if you trade for Tyler Eifert, you know, as a one-year rental, it kind of signals to me that you still, you know, you're, you're keeping the door open to a return by Will Disley. And, you know, maybe he is able to, to make that comeback. So I would, I would love to see, Tyler Eifert come in and pick up the slack, you know, fill that void left by Will Disley for the rest of 2019 and then move on in the off season to clear the way for Will Disley to make a comeback. You said it, brother. You, you said it. I, I, to me, I, I, it makes so much sense, but I, I didn't put the spin that you did on it as far as how it affects Will Disley. And I like it. I, I like that. You're absolutely right. It would signify, hey, look, you know, we're we're investing in a guy for this season. But next year, we we have hope that Will Disley is going to be the guy. He's going to come back from this. And part of the reason why I didn't want to put this on Seattle was a little bit personal because I didn't want I, I want Seattle to to move on without a tight end this year because I want that door to be open for Will Disley. So uh, bravo to you for kind of coming up with a with a way to fix that problem for this season and this season only um, to, to signify that they still have some faith in Will Disley moving forward because uh, that was part of the reason why I didn't want to put him here uh, was because I, I wanted I, I really wanted a signal to be sent from Seattle saying, hey, look, we trust Will Disley still, you know, we're still, we're still rolling with him next year. So that was kind of my, my thought process on it. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think we were thinking the same way. I just, uh, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to come around to, to acknowledging that Seattle needed the tight end, whereas you found a way to fix it for this year only. So kudos to you. So the next guy that we'll talk about here is Le'Veon Bell. And I, I, I mean, I think that the only reason it even makes it onto this list. So, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they signed Lev Bell, um, Mike, Mike McCagnan. I, I never learned how to say that guy's name and it turned out it didn't really matter. Um, because <laughs> after he made that move to sign Le'Veon Bell as a free agent, then he was fired and replaced by Joe Douglas, who has a much more pronounceable name. And, uh, and then it comes out that Adam Gase didn't actually want Le'Veon Bell Joe Douglas probably didn't necessarily want Le'Veon Bell. And that this is the type of thing that that's the type of mess. That's the type of setback that can, you know, it can affect a an NFL franchise long term. That contract now is going to anchor the uh the New York Jets salary cap for a long time. It's going to hold them down and 
you know, their ability to to improve that team around uh, Sam Darnold, which I think, you know, that's as bad as he looked on Monday night against the the uh, New England Patriots. I think that he's still I still think he's a franchise quarterback. I think that he's the guy that you want to build around, not Le'Veon Bell, but you're paying way too much money right now to Le'Veon Bell to be able to really improve that team and and start to build it around Sam Darnold. So, you know, is it, it would be a little bit expensive right now to move on from Le'Veon Bell, but I I could see them biting the bullet and doing it. The head says that he still stays, um, but I think that there's a scenario here where maybe the heart ends up getting this one right. So what does the heart say for Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, real quick though, I, I do agree with with kind of what you said with the head. Um, I can see it kind of working both ways. I just don't know that it works at the trade deadline. I think if they do decide to move Le'Veon Bell, it's probably after the season. Um, however, my heart says that, man, if if they move Le'Veon Bell, I would love to see him be part of a prolific offense again. Remember, remember Pittsburgh, you remember Oh man, I'm old enough to remember John, Antonio yeah. Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Juju Smith-Schuster, all in their prime, and Big Ben throwing for over five thousand yards. You, you remember that man, Vance McDonald, and even Jesse James. Man, that was awesome. Yeah, it seems like it's been a long time ago, man. I would love to see Le'Veon Bell back in a prolific offense. And you know what? Why not Atlanta? Devonta Freeman's been really hit or miss. He's one concussion away from calling it a career. Edo Smith hasn't been anything good, while the Atlanta Falcons' defense has been terrible. Uh, since this last week, Atlanta's offense has been very, very good. Hey, you know what? If you can't fix that defense with one move, why not just try to outscore them? How about you go get Le'Veon Bell, and you pair Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper with Le'Veon Bell, another great pass-catching back, a guy who can run the ball, keep defenses honest as well. Man, I would love to see that offense with Le'Veon Bell in it. I would love to see Le'Veon Bell perform in that offense. I think he'd put up great numbers. Um, I could just see that being a very nice fit there with Atlanta. I would love to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, Atlanta's kind of out of it right now. I don't think that they're dealing for players like that. However, Thomas Dimitrov, I, I, I never know what that guy's doing. It always seems like he, he wants to, uh, to compete every year, even if he's two and five. So um, while I don't think it's likely to happen, I would give it a very, very minute chance of happening. It would be so cool to see Le'Veon Bell on Atlanta. So that's why I answered the way I did in my heart. I'd love to see it happen, John. Yeah, that's a good one. And I mean, now's kind of the time to do it because, you know, the the Jets are still on the hook for the majority of of Le'Veon Bell's contract. Um, it's a he's got a twenty five million dollar cap hit here in twenty nineteen and then seventeen million next year in twenty twenty. Um, and then, you know, the, and then you can kind of move on from it. So, I you know, the the, the opportunity to get a feature back um it at a such a significant discount would make sense and and it would it would it would make that offense so much more explosive that maybe they could overcome the deficiencies at defense on the defensive side but yeah i mean like we both said i mean it's it's not likely to happen just kind of a pipe dream um there's also a uh, a logistical issue with that um that we can actually let's let's we'll skip ahead um just because it segues nicely. So in order for Lev Bell to make sense for the Atlanta Falcons, they would first have to trade away Devonta Freeman. And 
let me uh, let me pull up his contract situation too because um that's a that's a big part of this i mean i think that there's still the you know there there's i i think that atlanta part of the reason that they don't make sense for lev bell is because at this point they're sellers not buyers you know they're kind of with one, just one win that defense is atrocious now you're you know now matt ryan is looking at possibly missing some time with that that ankle sprain or that ankle injury there's a you know i think that you kind of go into fire sale mode i think that's kind of what they're doing in fact i mean they already traded away Mohamed Sanu. They put Vic Beasley on the trading block. Um, yeah, Devonte Freeman has an out after this season. So, you know, you eat the rest of his contract, his cap hit of $6.75 million here for 2019. You eat the rest of that. And then, you know, you were you had an out from that contract anyways. So, you know, it now would be a good time to, to move on from him. He's 27 years old. It, it it makes a ton of sense to trade away Devonta Freeman. Unfortunately, the head says that he probably stays with the Falcons. Um, but you know that just because you know you kind of they've just lost Edo Smith, you still need some kind of running back um, to to take the pressure off of the offense and and to get through this season. And you know it it, it kind of makes sense to just run Devonta Freeman into the ground and then take it advantage of that that out in his contract and move on from him after the season Uh, but there is an angle here where he possibly moves on so tell us what the heart says yeah for me the heart for devonta freeman says hey look let's get what's what's Let's get some relevance out of this guy because we just don't know. I mean, again, this is a guy who's had some severe injuries, head injuries, the concussions, and um, and he's had some other injuries too. But I mean, he just has a lot of mileage. You know, I know he's only twenty seven, but boy, he's he's taken on a lot of hits. And uh, and in this day and age, with running backs and with the class that we have coming in, I just don't know that Devonta Freeman walks into a starting role next year, even if he stays in Atlanta. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. So. Devonta Freeman to me is, uh, hey, let's, let's buy him this year because we could use him. And to me, the Detroit Lions could use him. Uh, I know Detroit right now finds themselves in the cellar of the NFC North, but let's be honest. I'm not going to pull any punches. The officials took one win away from them and handed it to the Green Bay Packers on Monday night. But also their first week against Arizona, I mean, that was a collapse of epic proportions. If you play that game over again, you know, 20 times you play that uh, that last quarter over again, you know, 19 times the Lions are going to win that game. It's just, it was ridiculous. They, they've just been competitive and been in every single game that they've played for the most part. They've looked the part. I think they could be a buyer. And if they, look, carry on Johnson getting hurt's a big, big injury. Uh, McKissick is going to be okay in the passing game. What is Ty Johnson? I don't, we don't know well, what he is, but if you could trade for a guy like Devonta Freeman and you could say, Hey, look, we're going to, we're going to roll with Devonta Freeman for the rest of the year. Um, especially with carry on Johnson. Now it sounds like he's going to the IR, which means he wouldn't be eligible to return this year until week 16 or 17. Anyhow, um, that that's saying that he is going to return this year. I don't know that that's even the plan. So, uh, Devontae Freeman to me would fit there perfectly. I mean, let's let's bring him to Detroit. Let's hand him some some uh, meaningful carries on a team that could make a run for the playoffs at division, even though they're still um, at the bottom of it. It's still very tight. Um, they play those teams well in that division for the most part. I, I think Detroit could be a team that could be a buyer here, try to make a late push 
for a playoff uh, playoff run, I think the running game is going to be important for that because the passing game, we've seen, you know, fire on all cylinders with Kenny Galladay. If they keep Marvin Jones and, and they are buyers, and this is a, a, a buy to me that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I – yeah, that that would be a very good fit. Carrying on Johnson out, like you said, I mean, uh, I mean they're they're in a pretty similar situation, I guess, to the Falcons, where they're looking more like sellers than buyers. But um, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, you still need somebody to run the ball for you and to, um, you know, to to take the pressure off of your quarterback and off of your passing game. And yeah, it, that'd be a very good fit. Um, again, I, I mean, I think that he probably just stays put. That's just kind of the, the path of least resistance here, but, but it makes a ton of sense. Um, how about one more running back that we could talk about here? Yeah, let's go to Melvin Gordon. He, he's been interesting. Obviously, he held out uh, that holdout. He, he even admitted um, now that uh, that holdout didn't didn't benefit him any, um, that he won't miss another training camp. It, it just seems like it, it's worked against him. Um, he's rusty. He's not looking good. The team has not looked good since he's come back. Um, they were they were looking much better offensively when Austin Eckler was handling those duties. Melvin Gordon just hasn't really been able to to get off the ground there to get going. And, you know, you wonder if you're the Chargers, man, if are you competing? Because if not, then why are you holding on to Melvin Gordon at this point? You might as well deal. I mean, somebody is going to want him for the rest of the year. Someone's going to want him for a playoff push. And you know who makes an awful lot of sense to me? The Buffalo Bills, John. The Buffalo Bills make a ton of sense because, look, Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills team has been very good, very good. The defense is fantastic. It's good enough to win. But you need a running game. And, hey, they have Frank Gore, and he's been okay. And Devin Singletary's come on and been all right. But Devin Singletary hasn't been a bell cow back. He has been a change of pace type back, and he's made the most out of his opportunities. I don't know that that's a guy that you can count on for 20, 25 touches a game. And when you're up and your defense is keeping you in these games and you know giving you the ball on a lot of three and outs, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to run plays. So I think getting a guy like Melvin Gordon, a guy who can wear down defenses over the course of the game, make hay in the fourth quarter, um, really be a good goal line back type of, type of player, would fit perfectly on the Buffalo Bills roster. They need they need a guy like that for the playoff push, John. So to me, my head says, man, the Buffalo Bills are a real nice fit for Melvin Gordon. And the heart says the exact same thing. It it, it just it's the perfect fit. Uh, if if Melvin Gordon were to move on, which that might be the 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 tricky part is convincing the LA Chargers to move on from him now rather than you know let him continue to be there you know there take on the heavy workload for the rest of this season especially as it looks more and more like it's probably going to be a lost season for them <clears throat> you know why why not if you're going to be paying him anyways why not keep him around run him into the ground and then move on from him uh but yeah i, I from you know, the Hearts perspective, you you would love to see Melvin Gordon consolidate that backfield finally and, you know, give give them just an extra dimension that they just they just don't have with their current running backs. Melvin Gordon can catch the ball out of the backfield. We know what he can do is as the the early down back in the goal line back. I mean, he just does all of that stuff. He's the prototypical, you know, bell cow back. And they can finally, you know, you just throw him out there and 
all of a sudden, you know, the defense has no idea what's coming from the Buffalo Bills. You know, they they could hand off to Melvin Gordon. They could throw it to Melvin Gordon. Josh Allen could throw it down the field to one of their many wide receivers. Josh Allen could take off and run. You know, you you have a lot more ability to run a little bit more of an RPO type offense when you've got Melvin Gordon as opposed to, you know, certainly Frank Gore. I mean, when Frank Gore's on the field, you you have a pretty good idea of what's what's coming. And kind of ditto with with uh, Devin Singletary. You know, he's a little bit more of a, a third down type of back, and and you know that's the defense can kind of see that coming a little bit. But Melvin Gordon really kind of disguises what they're trying to do on offense. It, it it just would be the perfect fit for a team that looks like it's headed for the playoffs, and with a little extra firepower, could you know could actually could actually push the new England Patriots first of all for that division. And second of all, for the conference, once they get into the playoffs. So, and it feels like that's the biggest missing piece that they've got certainly on offense. So that one just makes a ton of sense. Um, We've got one more player to talk about here. And again, this is a, it's a quarterback centric podcast. So we've got to talk about another quarterback, even though, this feels like the guy who's the least likely to be traded of everybody that we've talked about with a possible exception of Le'Veon Bell. It still would make sense uh, for this move to happen, but it, it probably is the least likely to happen here going into the trade deadline. But it would be the biggest one. I mean, I, th- I think if this happened, I mean, this this is a big one. I think if this happened, this would probably send shockwaves uh, that we it might break the internet um, for a while. So I I will let let's start. This is Cam Newton. All right, we're we're talking about Cam Newton, and we're going to answer the age old question, John: Where is fancy bread in the heart or in the head? And with Cam Newton, for me, the head says, "Man, move him to Washington." And why Washington? Well, all right, look. I know that they have a young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, but they now have a head coach and an intern head coach who really don't think he's ready. They don't want to play him yet. Washington really is losing a lot of their fan base. I mean, this team is really going down that they've spiraled out of control. If you have a chance to get a guy who can put butts in the seats and who can win games on their own, like Cam Newton, go out and get him. Just go get them and don't worry about what's going to happen with the quarterback that you drafted, you know, uh, like like Haskins. You, you don't you you'll worry about that later. If you have a chance to get a guy like Cam Newton, you go get him. I would love to see the Washington Redskins make a power play move like this in that division. I mean, think about it. You have the Dallas Cowboys who are a draw. You have the New York Giants who, I mean, they reside in New York. They're a draw. The Eagles who who are coming off a Super Bowl win a couple years ago. They are still drawing well. And then you have the the Washington. Washington team there and they're they're just not doing well right I mean and they haven't for a while so to me man making a big blockbuster move like this and bringing in a big name this just makes sense to me you tried drafting a quarterback and right now it doesn't look like that's going to work maybe in a couple years but if you could bring in Cam Newton and even if he just finishes his contract there with you and moves on you're going to put butts in the seats you're going to get people talking about your program and you're going to have a guy who can win you games on his own uh, and I can't tell you the last time Washington's had that. I, I can't even remember. I mean, RG3 is rookie year maybe. Um, but other than that, I mean, there, there's nobody that could win games, that could put the team on his back and win games for him. Cam Newton can be 
be that kind of guy. He can raise the level of play from those around him. Um, so while Washington doesn't, again, probably isn't, uh, isn't an answer that's at the top of everyone's, you know, head uh, guys, teams like Miami teams like Cincinnati uh, are going to be more prevalent. I think a team like Washington makes the most sense because they have to make a big splash in my opinion, to keep pace with some of the big name teams in their division. Cam Newton does that for them. So I think that would be a, a, a fit that I could see happening. Yeah. Um, I, I thought you were actually going to go with Chicago again. Um, I know we talked about, you know, Josh Rosen being a, a good landing spot um, or Chicago being a, a good landing spot for you uh, for Josh Rosen. But um, Cam Newton also feels like, I mean, he actually, he probably, he, he gives you a little bit more ability to, first of all, to bench Mitchell Trubisky and second of all, to, um, you know, to actually compete this year in a very tough division. Um, but yeah, Washington as well that, uh, I could, I could see that one. It, and, you know, like you said, you've got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people both in the front office and the coaching staff, um, kind of who, who need to get some wins here to, uh, to earn a job going forward. So, so that one definitely makes sense. The heart from in for me, I mean, this is a this is a pretty easy one. The heart says he goes to the Denver Broncos. In, I mean, John Elway has constantly been looking for this type, this like archetype of quarterback. He wants you know a big bodied, strong armed, mobile guy, essentially like John Elway was in his playing days. That's what he keeps looking for. And, you know, he keeps finding Brock Osweiler, who didn't have the arm that that he, you know, that everybody thought he did. He finds Paxton Lynch, who just doesn't have it together, you know, between the ears. And I I mean, I, I know that you're still pretty confident in Drew Locke. My main hesitation is just the fact that the same thought process that led John Elway to both Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch also led him to Drew Locke. And to me, it's a very flawed process. It, it, it just tells me that the most likely scenario is that he missed yet again. But with Cam Newton, you know, you get to take out the the, the guessing game. You get all of that stuff that John Elway is looking for. You've, you've get, you're getting a proven winner who's, who's big, who's strong, who's got the arm, who's got the mobility. You know, and it, you get all that stuff and you can start building around him now rather than continuing to get it wrong with in the draft it, with uh, with quarterbacks. So, I, you know, if, if that's the type of quarterback that John Elway insists on having, then, yeah, the heart says get a guy who you already know what you're getting, um, you know, get the 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 known quantity of Cam Newton now. To me, I mean, the, the, an easier way to do this would be to start rethinking the way you look at the quarterback position because Cam Newton doesn't make a ton of sense on this roster, especially when the offensive line is by far the weakest part of this team. But, you know, and, and that needs to be rebuilt before you can throw, you know, a, a quarterback who's bordering on a term that we hate here at the super show injury prone. We're kind of getting there with cam Newton. He's kind of gotten beat up quite a bit. He's, he's taken a lot of damage just in the last several years. 
and it's starting to take its toll. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense for this Denver Broncos roster. But again, if, if that's the type of quarterback that you want, then, you know, stop, stop making this hard on yourself by taking a shot at, you know, these, these rookie quarterbacks who are, are a coin toss at best to actually hit and go get a guy who, with a, a proven track record of success. And I know that you're going to have a response to this, so I'm going to let you do it. No, no. I just, I, I have heard from several, I'm not going to name who I've heard this from, but I have heard from several people that I trust uh, that know the Bronco organization very well, that uh, they only look for big, dumb, pocket-passing, <laughs> strong-armed quarterbacks. And Cam, I don't know if Cam fits that profile. He's 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 kind of a bright dude, so uh, I'm not sure if, if this is going to be a fit for John Elway. But no, I I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, basically everything you said. I mean, I don't know that he's he would be a great fit on this team, but it seems like that's the type of quarterback that that Elway would like, right? So if he was available, him going to Denver, um, yeah, I mean, I. I, I who wouldn't want Cam Newton as their quarterback? Unless you have a guy who's, you know, a top 10 type guy, you know, I think any team, I, I don't care, you know, Jacksonville, they have Minshew mania over there. And I think they would probably be welcome Cam Newton with open arms. Who wouldn't? I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. If Baker, uh, if Baker Mayfield took a backseat to Cam Newton, I would be ecstatic. Um, there's, I, I just, Cam Newton is that type of player that I think, he, he just excites you because of what he can do. We've seen what he can do. It's just a matter of, is he going to do it for your team? So yeah, I, I really like that, John. And that would be my heart too, would be for him to be on my team. So yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. The, the, the dumb piece. I mean, I don't know. There, there might be some of that to Cam Newton. It kind of depends on who you ask. Um, it just, yeah, again, it just it just takes some of the guesswork out of this if that's the type of quarterback you insist on. And and it just seems like that's, you know, what John Elway is is looking for. And I think that you've got decent even with trading away Emmanuel Sanders. I think that there are some decent complementary weapons here for Cam that fit Cam Newton's skill set, you know, primarily Noah Fant, if he can figure out how to catch the ball. God. And, uh, and Cortland Sutton, I think those are, you know, that I, I think that that gives you, you know, Cortland Sutton kind of is, a is a little bit of a, I, I won't say an upgrade from DJ Moore, but I, I think that he's a better, you know, downfield threat than DJ Moore. I think he's got, you know, he's got a better catch radius. Um, he's better at the 50, 50 balls. And that's kind of, you know, that that's that really kind of fits with what Cam Newton does. Cam Newton is not a super accurate passer, um, but he can throw the ball down the field and put you in a position to win a jump ball. And Cortland Sutton wins those more often than not. So it it it, it makes a lot of sense. Again, the, the big problem being how do you keep him healthy when, you know, you just allowed the Kansas City Chiefs to sack Joe Flacco nine times. Of course, you know, Cam Newton, far more mobile. He can extend the plays a lot better than Joe Flacco can, but it, it's still this, this offensive line is, is in quite a bit of disarray. Um, so to me, it doesn't make a ton of sense to get, you know, to, to go get a quarterback 
um, who's what, 32 years old. Um, and you know, dealing with injuries as we speak. Um, but I would just, I would far prefer that to continuing to, to follow the same blueprint. And, and, and I think that there's a chance that John Elway would actually make this move just because to this point, you know, the biggest feather in his cap that he has is an NFL executive is recruiting Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning doesn't fit what John Elway looks for in a quarterback. John Elway doesn't like the way, didn't like the way Peyton Manning played the quarterback position, but he sure liked the way that Peyton Manning won games, got them to two Super Bowls and won one. He, he appreciated, you know, the, what, what Peyton Manning ultimately gives you, which is first of all, a proven winner. Second of all, you know, an attractive reason for free agents to come to Denver and make John Elway look good. So, and I think Cam, Cam Newton does the same thing. So I think that John Elway would actually be open to this for several reasons, whether or not it makes sense. I, it's open to interpretation, I suppose, (laughs) but yeah. But but I could see that one happening. But with that, I guess we can wrap it up. I mean, I we're we're right around time here. Um, maybe even went a little long. But uh, considering we went into this not totally sure uh, how this was going to play out, I think we ended up with some some pretty good stuff and some some pretty useful stuff for for fantasy players. Keep an eye on these players who could be on the move going into the trade deadline. And, um, you know, in the right situation, there's a lot of value, not just with these individual players, not just directly, but indirectly as well. Some of these these moves could unlock a ton of fantasy value and fantasy production. With that, we'll wrap it up for the week. And as we do ask you for a quick favor, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. Don't forget to get those in before the Wednesday night live show. Uh, You can also, and it doesn't have to be trade polls. You can uh, send in whatever questions you've got, whatever's on your mind, send them to us at Superflex show, or just simply join the live show and get in the live chat and ask your questions there. But either way, send us those trades on Twitter and we can, uh, we can retweet them. We can help you get more votes and comments um, and sometimes, again, we, we bring them on the live show and sometimes we bring them on uh, the other various podcasts. But you can also send them to any one of us individually. James is at it at James the Brain and I'm at Superflex Dude. So send us uh, send us your trades. We'll retweet them and the rest of our uh, our co-host as well. Um, go ahead and send them. And thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction. We use that as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.